well We shook what our mamas gave us Till we couldn't shake no more We got down on our knees When cancer knocked at our door We got kicked in the ass We gave lots of sass But when it rains it falls Into this half full glass Oh, thanks cancer Thanks cancer Thanks cancer Victories in the dark you're listening to Thanks Cancer. I'm Mimi Hall. I'm Leanna House. We're two cancer friends. We are not doctors. No, and we're not shrinks. We're not nurses or anything like it. And because of that, we are going to use some appropriately obscene language. Let's just call it salty. Anyway, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish we had when we were dealing with our treatment. So, Mimi... What are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about chemotherapy, Leanna. That sounds terrible. Well, therapy through chemicals. Yeah, they called it an infusion? Yeah, it's still called an infusion. An infusion of chemicals? It's an infusion of chemicals. So, as I was talking about you, I got really fascinated by the history of chemotherapy when I was told that that would be part of my regimen. And I dove into sort of where it came from, what it was all about, and... So people realized that radiation was going to change and affect cells sometime around the turn of the century, but chemotherapy started to get really worked on between World War I and World War II. And in World War II, there was a huge breakthrough because there was a massive um, attack of a ship holding mustard gas off the coast of France. And they, because it was basically like our army bombing ourselves, we were able to do studies on those fellows and the people in the town nearby that got affected. I had no idea that chemotherapy started with, like, chemical warfare. Well, it's actually really interesting. Um, You know, through the National Cancer Institutes, through their efforts that started in the 40s, um, there have been over 30,000 different compounds tested for their cytotoxicity in the name of cancer, specifically. Wow. Yes. So we're trying everything. We are trying everything. So, um... It started out there, and then it was actually Sidney Farber of the Dana Farber who started working Dana-Farber with fame. right. He started working with folic acid blockers for leukemias, childhood leukemias specifically, and that's how the whole Jimmy Fund thing got started. That's also the Jimmy Fund was one of the first things that kind of used like multi-media platform to raise funds, and that was specifically to fund some of these studies for chemotherapy. So. By the time the 70s rolled around and some studies had been done on the systemic nature of cancer, um, how it can spread throughout the body via stem cells, how doing things like radical mastectomies or radical whatever, cutting things away, cutting things away more and more wouldn't necessarily be the answer. That started to come to light in the 70s and there started to be that regimen of chemotherapy and radiation. And now of course, There's another piece of that pie, which you and I have both been a part of, which is targeted therapy slash hormone therapy as well. Um, But it's, it's really interesting. Like one of the drugs that you and I were both on is Taxol. Okay. And that was discovered as part of the National Cancer Institute's work. And they sent, they sent these botanists out into the woods and there was this specific yew tree that none of the loggers wanted because apparently it's splintered and whatnot and this guy he 
found this tree and discovered it was cytotoxic two years later. I mean, he brought up just a bunch of bark back from a bunch of different trees in the Pacific Northwest of America. Medical um, research is a weird thing. It's it's scary how random it is. It is. I mean, but if there's enough of us doing random things, eventually we'll hit on something. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. So. Um, Anyway, like most things, um, they turned this into a synthetic compound in 1991 because they found out, like, there's no way. We would have actually decimated all the Pacific yew trees. Um, it would take two large Pacific yew trees to cure one person. Wow. That's a lot of trees. They were becoming rapidly an endangered species. And you can still, interestingly, I did, I went down a wormhole when I first got diagnosed and if you live in China, or actually from China directly, you can get real taxol. Like the real, all-natural, like non-synthesized deal. Do you think that the non-synthesized is better? No. The synthesized version comes from pine needles of a different tree, actually. I forget which one, but it's a different pine tree, which is why we had to take Benadryl when we were getting... <laughs> That's why? That's why. Because it's like it's like you're your main lining pollen basically yeah. or sap well, or turpentine there are a number of people that are allergic to chemotherapy yeah that have allergic reactions which i didn't even know that chemo could be worse it's it's one of those things like we've talked about in a lot of situations where you tend to just see it from your own prism and what you went through too and i guess i want to preface any conversation that we have today of just saying this you know i can only speak from my viewpoint you can only speak from yours whatever i speak for everyone exactly <laughs> no, I think, I don't. but you know if we had a, we should get a chemo nurse on here sometime actually to talk turkey with us about like all the different things they see katie the chemo nurse was my very favorite they're goddesses they they are they're like little ministering angels. Yeah, exactly. So, so Lena, tell me about how you got your protocol and what that was like, like and how chemo fit into that protocol. So I saw my mother. Oh, and go she got the through, old school. She got the old school. So your reaction to chemotherapy was like looking for information about chemotherapy, and that was my reaction to most things about cancer. But I was 15 when my mom was diagnosed, mm. and from diagnosis to death was two and a half months and she had two rounds of chemotherapy in that time and it was terrible like i remember and i was at a very tender age too and the chemotherapy was worse back then but she was miserable she couldn't taste food like it was such a traumatizing thing and then to have her die so when my doctor told me when my medical oncologist who's a lovely human being was like you're gonna have chemo I was like, shut the fuck up. And mm. she's like, what? I'm like, I don't want chemo. Do I have to have chemo? And she's like, yes. Like, this is this is how we cure this cancer. Like, you're going to go through chemotherapy. And I'm like, well, my mom had chemo and she died anyway. So and she's like, uh, when did your mom get treated? <laughs> so my doctor, like, I had to be, I don't want to say talked into it because with some of these things, like, there really is, like, I could have opted out of chemotherapy. Right. But I probably would not have gotten rid of the cancer if I opted out of chemotherapy. You, right. You may have had the sensation of being rid of cancer that would have not proven true after those stem cells traveled around, especially because breast cancer loves the liver, it loves the lungs, and it loves the bones and the brains. And it loves the nerves. Yeah, the lymph. It gets into that lymph. Yeah. 
So I had chemotherapy before surgery because the hope was to shrink the tumors before so they get clearer margins or they have to do less less work on the back end. And did you also have chemotherapy before surgery? Yep, that's adjuvant therapy. So I had it, but what I had was immunotherapy, targeted immunotherapy. Okay, so it wasn't exactly chemo? It's different. I'll explain okay. that, yeah, when I tell my story. But it's a little mm-hmm. different. It's actually immunotherapy bonded with chemotherapy. It's Buck Rogers. I was lucky. Are the side effects the same? No. Hmm. No. I. My hope is that everyone will be on these drugs in the future. Different variants for their own cancers. Okay. Just because it was pretty it's... gentle. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell me about how you got your protocol. Sure. So um, I found out about chemotherapy right away because I was going to Dana-Farber. As you know, it's a research hospital and they are doing research with using this TDM1, which is a very complex multi-branch version of Herceptin, which has been around since 1992 to help cure HER2 Neue positive breast cancer. And I believe that the research study was very interested in me, A, because I had no other kinds of chemotherapies or any kind of treatments in the past. This was You're, you're clean. Yeah, I was they clean. Like you. Right. I was a clean lab rat. And my, my tumors were specifically hertunoia. There was no estrogen receptors. There was no progesterone receptors. It was off the charts hertunoia, which is why I had pretty fast growing cancer. So... Um, I was told my doctor, I remember the drawing, I still have it. She laid it out. It was like, you could do, you know, AC therapy and then you do surgery and then we'll put you on Taxol and you're going to, it's going to be really hard with AC therapy, or you can do this TDM1, which is really targeted specifically for your type of tumor. And the, what they do is they bond a typical, I forget what it is, but it's a chemotherapy, it's a cytotoxic agent that only gets released after the cell dies. So you only get the side effects of radiation kind of on your GI tract. I mean, it's yeah. just really, you don't lose your hair. Your hair gets a little dry, but it does you don't lose your hair. Um, there are changes, but it's subtle. It's really subtle. And I know, I know from having seen AC therapy that it's nothing like that. I mean, you don't lose your hair really. You don't get mouth sores. You don't get all like odd. You're just a little changed. And the side effects there are like just pretty much like diarrhea and exhaustion. I would say. So it's sort of like, it's like you're coming down with a flu, but you're not quite getting it for the whole time you're on it. I would say okay. that's sort of how it feels, but I was able to do basic things. Um, but here's the thing about it. Okay. So I got, I had three treatments and my tumor, I had a five centimeter tumor. It was no longer palpable. So that's impressive. Right. And the cancer had just invaded my lymph nodes. And by the time I got a bilateral mastectomy, there was no evidence of disease whatsoever in my body from nine treatments of TDM1. So this study is for adjuvant therapy to shrink the margins and Mm -hmm. never mind the margins. The only way they knew I had tumors is there was a little bit of scar tissue near the five centimeter tumor. And they saw the clips that they had put in during the biopsies. Yeah. So that's incredible. And I could actually feel the cancer leaving my body. I had that weird honor of being one of the first groups of women who this was used on before surgery, not after surgery, which is already FDA approved. 
And I do believe, I, I mean, I think the study's proving out pretty well that this is gonna be the new standard of treatment. And I will tell you too, because they were testing for this, I kept my fertility the whole time I was on it. Good. Yeah, so That's for younger wonderful. women, right? Like, yes. think about that. You know, because we'll talk about this with our next topic, but like, let's talk about some of the side effects of yes. chemotherapy. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about okay. So when you get typical chemotherapy. So typical the chemotherapy side effects: uh, you lose your hair, right? With most therapies, although people swear by cold caps. Yeah. Me sitting with my head cold is worse than chemotherapy. So I didn't do that. Right. Um, so I lost all my hair. That was on AC therapy, correct? That was your first yes. treatment? Yes. Okay. Um, you usually you lose your hair after the second treatment. Okay. Is when you lose it. And how often did you get the AC treatments? Like so I had four AC and four Taxol over the course of four months. Two months of AC four rounds of AC. I did two months of Taxol, four rounds of Taxol, and then I had surgery and then I had radiation. But back to side effects. Right. Side effects, uh, nausea, bone pain mm -hmm. uh, that you take Claritin for. Another allergy thing that's interesting. I Well, I think it's, a, it's an off off-label use mm -hmm. of Claritin for bone pain. Mm -hmm. Neuropathy, which is tingling or numbness in your fingers and toes. I would always make my Katie the chemo nurse tell me interesting side effects. Mm. Like Taxol makes you have an itchy butt. It makes you itchy everywhere because it's like you've fallen into pine pit. It's like you're uh -huh. a tree mm -hmm. and you lose all your hair. Because I had, so my protocol was, we're all over the place today, but my protocol was TDM1, pause for surgery, Taxol, and combos of Herceptin, exotic salads of Herceptin for like a year after that. So, but Taxol was my worst. Like that was my dragon. And I just remember like, there's no hair on your skin, but you don't realize how important it is to have a little hair on your skin. Uh -huh. And it would my, Cause you're it was frozen. like my sweat was sticky. It was like I was a pine tree. <laughs> It really was, but I will say this. I was down on the Cape, like, right after finishing my Taxol treatment. I had no allergies. Everyone else had such allergies, and I was like, I'm a living pantry. <laughs> I'm part of the woods. You, like, what was it, Narcissus turned into a tree? I don't know. <laughs> but that, That's not a great comparison. I don't know, but for, I, for vanity. I did not feel very vain or narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> in my Taxol moments, I felt pretty yeah. stripped bare. Taxol was my easy one. Yeah, and that's what makes me think that some of these other therapies are really hard. And, you know, we were just talking about the fact that I've been getting some iron infusions, which has led me up into the hematology ward. And that's a that's a little eye-opener because I thought I had a bad time with, oh, my Benadryl and Taxol. And then you see people who are getting some blood leukemia treatment, which can be really like inpatient stuff. And how often did you have chemo? So my schedule was every three weeks in the beginning for the first nine treatments. And then with Taxol, it was weekly for 12 weeks. And then every three weeks, I would get these like salads, which would take, so I would be in the chair for six hours. And it was long, because they had to wait and see if I had a reaction to, mm. you know, it was like, and that was hard. And that was where it took a village. Like my, mm. I needed I needed people to help me well, after just, that, those. 
just sitting in the chair is so boring. Because, okay, so a typical day of chemotherapy for me is I would go at like 7 a.m. and I would go to the lab and get stuck with the needle right. that they stick in you and then they leave it in there. They leave, they they thread the little IV needle in there. which right. is, And that is an art and not everyone has that art. Yes. And so I'm very glad that Dana Farber arranges it so that the people who stick you with the needles are the people that stick you with the needles. Like they do that a hundred thousand times yeah, a day. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Although still, oh, it's still terrible. Yeah. So you would get stuck with the needle and then you go upstairs and you wait for an appointment with your medical oncologist and you'll talk about what they're doing today and what your side effects were last time. And they and look, if at, you your labs, looks and at your like, labs and they your see labs. if your blood counts are on uh-huh. target, etc. Yes, etc., etc. And then you have to wait again until you get called into like the chemo chair. And uh, usually I was in the chemo chair for three hours, four hours. Uh, but it's like seven to three in the afternoon. It's like an eight hour day. It's like working. It feels like work. It's it's exhausting. Um, and I was really lucky because I had the perfect medical oncologist for me. Because when I asked her, like, what are my restrictions? What are my dietary restrictions? What are activity restrictions? She told me, you are not a delicate flower. Mm. Like, if you want to eat something, eat it. If you want to do something, do it. And I'm like, okay, uh, can I have wine? She was like, sure, like have have some. I'm like, can I get wasted every night? And she was like, do you do you just want me to say no to something? I'm like, I don't know, do I? Mm-hmm. So she told me not to get wasted every night, which is a good idea, like for In everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but did you find chemo as boring as I did? Yeah, is that the worst part for you? Because that was, was the worst part for me. So what was hard for me, I think, was having to rely so much on other people when I was going through tax cell treatment because I had to arrange rides and stuff and for people to drive me because when I got the Benadryl, I couldn't drive myself back and forth because, I mean, you're really whacked out when you get IV Benadryl. Um, so that was tough. Like, I, you know, my friend Mindy Hinkle, who did our theme song, actually, um, was part of arranging sort of my driving group for me, which is a really good thing to do. Um, because here's the thing, too. Yeah. People just say take an Uber or jump in a cab. But so one of the things that happened for me, I don't know why, but on the immunotherapy, um, you know, that I was on for most of my treatment for almost like, you know, it was like a year and a half of being on immunotherapy treatment my sense of smell went through the roof. And it's interesting, the Herceptin is actually cultured in hamster cells. I mean, it's all happening in a lab. At first Mm. I was like, oh my God, the hamsters, are they okay? Yeah, the hamsters are fine. (laughs) It's hamster ovaries. They take hamster ovary cells because they're just really good for like replicating immunotherapy. Because remember, this is all biological therapy that they're using. Literally, what they're doing is creating things to bind into your cells that thinks that it's food. And it's like, ah, not food. And it kills your cancer cells. Right. Right. Exactly. So um, my sense of smell was off the charts. And so if I was in any kind of car or cab where someone had, you know, even had BO or was eating, Mm -hmm. the eating something happened a lot. And I just, it was really hard. I didn't get nauseous. I just felt like. I've never had a heightened sense of smell like that. <laughs> I I had the same thing with the heightened sense of smell and the disgust at things that usually don't disgust me. Yeah. 
Like you're just hypersensitive to those things. I wonder if you're aware that your immune system is being somewhat compromised too. And and it's weird. I had a fairly light dose of chemotherapy. And like I said, I was on immunotherapy, which is really delicate and easy to the rest of your immune system. It's targeted. It's not going to take you all down. But um, I do think there's something to it. It's almost like being a pregnant woman mm-hmm. where you're just very aware of what might be dangerous out there. And there was no way I was going to take public transportation back oh, and forth no. to the hospital. God bless the people who no. have to do that. I think, you know, I tried, I tried once to one appointment on public transportation. I'm like, you know what? This is just too emotionally, like, no. Public transportation is hard when you're at your best. Right. And it's just, yeah, it's very alienating. Um, but I found, yeah, so I found the, the getting back and forth to it hard. I found just in general, um, I don't like having needle. I don't like sitting there with a needle in my vein. And I'm really glad I didn't have to get a port. That was something I was really worried about was that, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was getting so much chemotherapy. It wasn't like I was doing weekly chemotherapy for a long period of time, but it was a little borderline as to whether I should get a port or not. Like, will my veins hold up? Um, I have strong veins, but you can only use one arm now because I had surgery with the other side. They don't want to use it. So I think that was stressful for me. As I was getting to the end, it got really hard for them to thread the vein. And that was not fun. Well, and the, It was not fun. The people that have ports kind of swear by ports because they're like, it's so much easier. You don't have to get stuck with a needle. But I, too, am very glad that I didn't get I didn't a port. want something under my body. And I already felt so disfigured from the surgery that had happened to my breasts, especially at various points. I mean, I think now I could cope with the idea of maybe a teeny other little scar, but God, at the time you've just been opened up and put back together a few times. No, I mean, it was, yeah. And I think, um, I'm just really glad, like I had some good times while going through chemotherapy too. Like I had some good. What made chemo chemo better? We'll we'll talk about the good things after talking about the disfigurement. And I'm, you know, we're, they're not paid sponsors of ours, but that Dana Farber. They could be. The Dana Farber um, cafeteria was always there for me. And like, I really just, I love them being there for me. Like, I just liked like the, you know, I found my happy place and I was like, this is mine. I'll wait here. Um. So that made it good. Um, hanging that, out with that's a really that's a really good piece of advice to find somewhere, somewhere in the hospital or in the hospital area. They often have chapels. They have a gardens, healing garden. They yep. have they have like quiet little spaces tucked into corners. Some places like, have art that's been donated. That's really nice. If you just find a little place that like whatever isn't around other people or just you like the light. Yes, that's a good thing. So also. Um, you know this is pretty obvious but i would say bring your friends and and don't feel like you have to talk to them it's okay but just bring your friends it's good to have a friend with you i think or two or three well and i liked arranging visitors yeah because i would just tell someone you know i'll be at chemo from 11 a.m to 3 p.m so if you want to stop by at any point during that and that was easy because then people could like come in and then leave and that way they wouldn't get bored of chemo and I wouldn't get bored of their entertainment. Totally. I mean, the other thing too, so while there's some really horrible physical side effects, because I mean, you know, like it's horrifying. Like, I mean, when I lost my hair, it hurt. It was like every single one hurt falling out. It was just awful. Well, and And your head hurts. Your head hurts, your face hurts. It just... You know, and you go through a lot of that sticky discomfort that we were talking about, and your nether regions can get really uncomfortable too. Like anything, like your nose, your eyes, just can get really annoyed by the chemotherapies. But, but, but 
all of those areas do get rejuvenated too. I lost a lot of age marks that I used to have. Some burns that I had got really cleared up because taxels were used for skin cancer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so just like, it was really rejuvenating. And, um, and all of those areas we talked about, like all of those mucous membranes come back to life. And the it's, same with your biome too. It all comes back. It's the cancer spa. It is. I mean, I had a lot of people asking me what I had done if they hadn't seen me in a while. And I was like, well, you don't want to do this treatment, but I did chemotherapy and it does really work. You know, I mean, it really does work. It's, and it changes your mind a little bit too, as we've talked about in other episodes. You know, I think another positive thing is you, okay, so you don't get as much blood flow. You don't you get very little blood flow to the brain. Basically, when you're going through chemo, your brain cells die, but they don't grow back. So you're losing them and you're not replacing them. Okay, so that sounds scary, but at the same time, after it's over, you get a chance to regrow with your current consciousness, not the collective consciousness that's kind of blobbed itself onto you throughout your years of living. Like, this is your chance to regrow with some consciousness, which is what I've been trying to see as a positive thing. Yeah, I think I think that is a positive thing. I mean, you have the cancer afterglow for sure. So are there specific things that you did during yeah. treatment that made that made a difference? I think this is so important. I did intermittent fasting and it didn't it was not as important i think on one level during the immunotherapy treatments um the herceptin the tdm1 but for taxol i think it's key so here's the thing with intermittent fasting um when your body goes into ketosis which it does when your cells aren't eating it basically when you get the chemotherapy it will go directly to the cancer cells because your cells will be asleep if they have not been fed. So that's one massive benefit of not eating before a chemotherapy treatment. You're targeting, it's like you're powering up your treatment. And just like everyone who's listening to this should talk to their doctor, what did your doctor say about this? Oh, I didn't even ask my doctor. I told my doctor I was doing it. I also, so what I did was, um, I also noticed my problem was digestion. So when you get chemotherapy, if your cells are active in your digestive system, you're going to suck up all of those taxol chemicals through your digestive system. So I ate before my first taxol treatment. Then I tried the intermittent fasting. I just did it on my own. I'm not saying everyone should do that. It's what I did. Yeah. Um, then I told my doctor how it worked. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I totally did that. Like, I was one of I two told, people. I was one of two people in Dana Farber doing intermittent fasting. By the way, no one's doing it. I told doctors after I already had done things. Nothing crazy, but right. but you know something like intermittent fasting or you have to go out with how you feel. And I think the thing is this: so how I felt was night and day, and there was just no question that I was doing the right thing. And the science is there. There are studies being done right now. You can go to PubMed. You can find them. They're being done on rats, not on humans. But you'll also find a lot of testimonials from humans. And I'm one of them. It was literally the difference between being in bed for about maybe a day or two after chemo. Mm -hmm. And if I did intermittent fasting, getting up and making food the next day. I couldn't do a lot of things, but could I go for a walk to the grocery store? Could I cook meals for the week? Could I, I could do basically everything on a low key basis. So it was a 300% difference. So that I, I just, I would say that's my big, like, please look into it. If, especially if you, I would say, especially if you don't have a strong digestive system, just in general, it's something to consider. And I've continued with um, intermittent fasting since then I eat in like eight hour periods. Um, and I think it works for me. Yeah. Well, and I think being able to try something 
is a great empowering tool to have that you can try different things because like I had some chemos that were really bad mm -hmm. and so having options to well have you tried this to to try to alleviate some of those symptoms so what were some of the things that worked for you my favorite thing that I found was immunocal which is a denatured whey protein isolate sounds delicious it is terrible uh it tastes terrible uh, you mix it with juice, and you can't mix it with a blender because it breaks up. The... Like the whey or something. Or... Yes. Fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd known about this. But this was night and day for me because my first chemo, I could not eat after chemo because my mouth hurt. So it's the whole. It's like the whole pipe, like from front to back, that gets very irritated in the chemos that we've I gotten. I could not eat. So after that first chemo, my sister heard from a woman who used Immunocal, and I hadn't even tried it. I bought four hundred and fifty dollars worth of Immunocal, which is kind of crazy. Um, I also think maybe some of the other whey proteins on the market would. Be, be less fine. expensive and right. maybe fine. I didn't get the chance to try it because I was like, I can't. I'm going to do stop this. eating. <laughs> so yes, I got four hundred fifty dollars worth, and uh, it was night and day because after that, I could I could talk, I could eat like a normal person. So when would you have the immunocal? Like before your treatment or so after? I, I would have at least one a day. Okay, so it's like a supplement it's that a you're supplement, taking. Yes. Okay, and that's... I did I did talk to my doctor, and my doctor was like, that's fine. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Hurt. Oncologists really don't, they don't think you're delicate flowers and they don't care much about nutrition for the most part. They'll send you to a nutritionist. Yeah. But they, they kind of are dealing with stronger things like chemotherapy, which are powerful in comparison to nutrition and things. Yeah. But I mean, to make your way easier is so important. You know, yes. I mean, I used, um, I made smoothies out of um, medical, like medicinal mushrooms, which are really, really helpful for vitamin D. Um, I used a lot of adaptogens like Shizandra. Um, I did powdered greens, a lot of smoothies with a lot of nutrients because it was hard. I just felt like I had to pack everything with nutrients because one of the things I did have for pretty much a year and a half was pretty much diarrhea the whole time. And so it just made a lot of sense to pack everything with a lot of dense nutrients whenever possible. See, and here was my experience because the anti-nausea drugs that they give you give you constipation. Shoot, yeah. So we had the exact opposite problem. Yin and yang. <laughs> uh, but the, I mean, you can you can take drugs to alleviate some of those symptoms. And you can take but... drugs on the other side too, but it's not comfortable. And it's none not of nice. It's, none of it's comfortable. I mean, that's the thing too. I think after the chemo too, the other tip that I would share is just... Um, get out in the world to rebuild your biome and think about how you want to live your life. So I read that, and I took this advice, that one should play with children, play with animals, go to very public spaces, garden, walk barefoot, you know, swim in the ocean, everything that you want your biome to be able to ha have because your childhood biome has effectively been ripped out of the earth by like a year and a half of chemotherapy is like the ultimate antibiotic so there was definitely a lot of um just trying to be aware of that in addition to just the food you eat just like what am i breathing what is, what's coming through my skin which is a huge organ well and a very simple thing to do that made a huge difference for me and i've heard it's made a huge difference for other people 
drink a lot of water Mm -hmm. before your chemotherapy, during your chemotherapy, after your chemotherapy, because it's going to make, A, number one, your veins are going to be way easier to stick with a needle. Uh, It makes, it just makes everything go so much easier if you are drinking a ton of water Mm -hmm. to help the chemo clean you out. Help your liver. It's doing a lot of work. Yeah, I think that's right. Going, you know, recognizing too that it's hard. It's not going to feel good. And just preparing for it and not trying to do your regular routine because I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I, I kind of know it's not going to work for almost anyone. Well, being able to, I framed it as like I've had really bad colds or flus and that's what it felt like, but it was for four months. It's an extended remix it's on a lower ex- grade in a weird way. It's like a really bad hangover while you have the flu. Right. Without a stuffed nose. Yes. Yeah. No cough. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, it's, um, there's a certain look to it too. There's a certain anemic look to the chemo too, that, and just just sort of a certain cold, puffy feeling. It is, I could feel it the coldness of the chemo going in. Well, it was it is cold because it comes out of the fridge, right? Mm-hmm. I know the coldness of the chemo. And um I think everyone probably knows this, but always accept the warm blanket or ask for a warm blanket because they probably have them somewhere and that helps. And if they put an extra warm blanket around your arm, yeah. That can make a difference if it hurts going. Putting in. a pillow underneath your arm because you can almost not realize that you're holding that arm really rigidly because mm-hmm. you're sort of bracing yourself cuz it's you know, it's awful. Um, but having a pillow and just, you know, sometimes just notice on the chairs, they'll have little heaters or vibrators. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm there, they're vibrating it. chairs. I don't know what to say, but um, that's nice. Massaging chairs. Thanks. Uh, okay. So I think that's all great advice. Awesome, Leanna. So listen, we wanted to add something Um to the Thanks Cancer lineup, which I think is really cool. And that is what? We are going to talk about where to find your cancer community. Exactly. And so we were just at the um, Young Adults Cancer Conference, the 18th annual at Dana-Farber last weekend, which was super fun. Amazing. Amazing. And we met such really, really cool, cool people that were working at First Ascents. And then also some people that you met when you on, went on a retreat with First Ascents, right? Yes. So our, our cancer community that we're highlighting today is First Ascents which is a nonprofit organization that um, gives adventures to young adult cancer survivors. So I think their ages are... 18 to 39, I want to say. That sounds right. Ish, yeah. Um, and I was very offended. They, <laughs> You just missed the cutoff, which mm. I'm so sorry. I wish you could go. I didn't really just miss it, but thanks. No, you did. By almost By like years. days. <laughs> <laughs> so they, if... If, like me, you're a young adult cancer survivor, you can apply to their program and you get a week-long free cancer uh, cancer trip. Amazing. Um, where it's less about cancer and more about surfing or rock climbing or kayaking. And I find their organization really amazing because it's a free trip. You have to get yourself there, but it is a free trip. And it's, it was the first chance that I had to get out in this new body that I don't really trust mm. in kind of a 
controlled way that I have people there to help me or to accommodate any sort of weakness or changes that I have, being able to see that I can still do the things that I want to do. Right. Um, and you are surrounded by other young adult cancer patients who um, have the same are dealing with the same problems that you are. Well, I mean, that was the thing that really struck me as we were just sort of running into people that you'd met on that kayaking trip in uh, Maine. Maine, and uh, there was just there was obviously such a deep, intense, fun bonding that had happened between you guys. You could just tell from the nicknames and how close you guys all were. I had a really good vibe about the whole place, it, the whole organization. It was a great vibe, and I was kind of expecting like, oh, let's all sit in a circle and Be talk sad about cancer. cancer, and like yeah. that is not what happened at all right like cancer right. comes up because it's a shared experience mm -hmm. but these are the people that have the same like silly dark sense of humor that i do mm -hmm. you know laughing about brain cancer like you can't do that with anyone <laughs> um but it was it was a great experience for me i have another trip coming up for surfing in soon next month Awesome. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, so if you are a young adult cancer patient, you should look up First Descents and go on an adventure. Well, thanks, First Descents. Thanks, Mimi. Thanks, Leanna. Thanks, Cancer. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Thanks, Cancer. If you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook at Thanks, Cancer, on Instagram as Thanks, Cancer, and on Twitter as, guess what? Thanks, Cancer. And if you enjoyed today's episode and you're so inclined, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. And subscribe. And yeah, definitely subscribe. And listen, we want to hear your stories too, so please reach out to us at info at thanksgancer.com if you have something to share. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we the gate with your cancer card we're your passport date cause cancer's damn hard oh thanks cancer thanks cancer thanks cancer victories in the dark